Hello, fellow members of the Alliance. I am Rod Villagomez from the Alliance Football Podcast. Be sure you are checking out new episodes of the Alliance Football Podcast Tuesday nights at 7, right here on Full Press Radio Network. Hey, what's up, guys? Good evening and welcome to another episode of Under the Helmet. Well, Saturday was the, I guess in certain aspects, if you have an upset Saturday, if you have a, a rivalry Saturday, this was more of the beatdown past the sixth Saturday where you saw blowout after blowout after blowout. I'm your host, Terrence Biggs. Let's kind of jump through a quick three before I bring on my co-host, Matthew Kelly, first. We have the Gators and the Alabama Tigers. Throughout the week, the Tigers would kind of chirp a little bit about how what they're going to do to the Gators. And the Gators, it's all in fun, but it's funny because the one person who had spoken the most or talked the most trash wasn't there to watch his team get thoroughly dismantled by the Gators. Gulf Coast handed out a 61 nothing beating of a lifetime to the Tigers, and from the outset, they were all over the backfield. They were everywhere. They were everywhere, making every single play. That defense smothered them to the point of frustration. The Gators are one of those teams that they're an odds-on favorite to pose an immediate threat to the dynasty. It's funny because they play them this weekend. Our two guests tonight are members of each team. But before we get to them, Let's talk about the dynasty themselves. They threw a shutout, 32-0, and it's typical dynasty football. They're going to pound you with probably one of the best defensive lines in the APDFL, and they're going to wear you out. They're going to force turnovers. They're going to slowly disembowel you on the field and just drain you of all kind of fight, rational or, or not. The next one was the Tuskegee Airmen over the Summer City Vikings, 36-0. This one's interesting because after the game, actually this morning, Vikings owner Chuck Morgan posted how he was happy that the Airmen didn't take their foot off the gas. You rarely see a coach who will sit there and applaud a team for beating his squad soundly. Chuck's theory was that his team needed it. To a man, you got to kind of respect that because not too many coaches will sit there and appreciate the fact that somebody beat the brakes off their team. That is commendable. That shows that he's trying to show his squad the, the right way, and it was humbling. In other games, you had the South Alabama Dolphins beat the Louisiana Lightning. And for me, it's it's an interesting game because – these are two playoff teams that might see each other again. And if it's going to be in Mobile again, who knows. But I think the Dolphins are the team that's kind of like the Predators, like the Wreckers, who are kind of flying under the radar. You don't really hear or see too much of them, but they're going to be there. They have a flash, fast-flowing defense that gets upfield and gets on you in a heartbeat. They are that wet blanket defense where they just get you and they smother you. As I mentioned, we have two guests tonight. We have Colby Wells, who's the defensive coordinator of the Gators, and we have Mike Johnson, defensive back of the Mississippi Dynasty. But before we bring them in, let me say hello to my co-host, Matthew Kelly. Matt, what's good? Hey, what's going on, uh, Terry? Matt, let me ask you a question. Now, you are one who will watch the back, the back and forth between teams. If you're a member of the Tigers and you're – Watch, if you're playing this game last night, you're watching the Gators just thump you all over the field. 
Do you look at that one player like, why did you run your mouth? Uh, a little bit, but at the at the same time, it's ten other players that's on the field with that one other player. Although I know he he had something to come up with his family, uh, uh, where he couldn't make it or something like that. And um, you got other people that have to step up too, and have you got to have have some pride and say, you know what, I'm just not gonna take this beating like this. Uh, the Gators did what you're supposed to do with a team that talked. You you beat him on the scoreboard, and it and you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson said it famous, made the saying famous. Uh, it's not my job for uh, to stop me; it's your job to stop me. So, that you know, you you kind of look at that player sideways, but then you got to look at the rest of the team too, and it's like, man, <laughs> y'all playing for pride too. Because it, it seemed like the. The Gators players, they relish that. They relish that one. Like, you had a lot of people, not a lot of people, you had a few people just who were trying to instigate a situation where the Gators just, they took control of the game and they never relented. They they put it on them, something awful, where to the point where, could they have scored 80, 90? Mm, probably. But it was a learning experience. And to a man, like, I respect the Tigers, the, the ones who play for it. They kept fighting from everything that was told me from people who were there, the sources who were there. They didn't give up. They fought the entire way through, and that's that's respectable. You, you're you taking that big of a beatdown, and you're just going to just keep from whistle to whistle. You're just going to keep going, and it's just absolutely that absolutely. shows the quality of the character. I can, I, can, I, can respect you. I can respect you taking a whooping, and you keep playing, and you still playing within the rules. I can respect that. You know, um, I don't think there was any ejections in any of the blowouts that happened. Um, no fights and stuff like that. You know, good hard nose. And you just have to respect that, you know. Okay, you, you whooping me right now, but you're going to earn it. You know, you're going you're gonna to keep. If you're going to beat me down, I'm make you earn it at least. Now, I see that we have one of our guests on right now. We're waiting for Kobe, but we're going to say a quick hello to Mike Johnson. Mike, how are you tonight? I'm all right. How you doing yourself? Not bad, Mike. Congrats on this victory. I see that you had a, a bunch of stats. You had a touchdown. You had some tackles. Yeah, you know, just trying to contribute to the team, you know, be a team player. Let me ask you this right out of the question. Like, you guys have won the last two APDFL championships. When you enter this season, how difficult is it to get the same motivation to come back and win? Well, uh, you know, being a part of this organization, we we know, you know, we have a big target on our back, you know. Uh, we've been a hunter, now we're a hunter, you know. So we know that we have to come out and perform and play every game, you know, as if it were our last. You know, we, 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 we have a family vibe over here in this organization, so... We're we're not big on you know degrading your brother when they make a bad play. We we try to encourage each other. You know, hey, this is football. It happens. You know, next play, you gotta have that mindset in order to you know be positive. You know, and keep things going. You know, like a well-oiled machine. Now, as someone who has won on this level, like repeatedly, and who continues to win. How do you impart that upon the younger players who have never quite reached those heights? Like, uh, how do you mentor those young guys? Well, you know, our, our team, our team motto is practice to win, play to dominate, and we we really stress that in every form and aspect of that saying. You know, at practice, um, it our practices are intense. You know, offense versus defense. Yeah, we're brothers and all, but. It, you you would think that we didn't know each other because we're going to push each other. You know, everybody has to be accountable, and we stress everybody has to do their part. I'm sorry if my son is in the back playing. So. <laughs> hey, man, we all have to trust me. I got I got two little ones. I, I feel you. Yeah, so, um, you know, we, we, we're big on pushing each other from, and it, it starts from the head, you know, as from Coach Mike to Coach Sid, Coach Bros, Coach Coop, you know, and everybody else affiliated with the organization. It's more than just 
we're putting this jersey on on Saturdays. You know, this is something that you have to have pride in. So if you don't have pride in it, you know, this this isn't an organization for you. That's fair. Speaking of, we will also bring in Kobe Wells. He's the defensive coordinator of the Gulf Coast Gators. Kobe, how you doing tonight, my man? How's it going, man? Not bad, not bad. Kobe, you guys uh, had a fairly easy game last night. What was the vibe going into the game facing the Tigers? Uh, you know, we, we mainly wanted to just make sure that we, we handled business. We didn't want to you know, slip up. We knew that that was going to be a, a team that, you know, we had the, the numbers against. Um, we never want to count anybody out, but, you know, going into a game like that and leading up to um, the Mississippi dynasty, the, the two-time defending champs, you got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, we we want to make sure that we worked out any kinks that we had, and make sure that you know we plugged in players you know um, that may have not played a lot, just to make sure that we had you know good rotations and stuff like that. So it was kind of a, a tuning game for us, you know, a, a learning game, you know, making sure that everybody's on the same page. Because like I said, you know, gotta give credit where credit's due. You know, Mike Lloyd has got the Mississippi Dynasty on top, and you know us traveling to the Dynasty, we have to make sure that you know we're fully prepared. So it was, it was a good game for us. It was a, a good, you know, bonding time, you know, with us. And, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, we were just going to go out there and, you know, beat them. It was, you know, any kinks or anything we needed to figure out, let's get it done tonight and, you know, let's let's work together and get everything fixed. And I think I think we accomplished that. I think we're going to go into the, the game this week, you know, prepared. And I think that was a, a big thing that we wanted to focus on last night. And I think we got it done. Now, Matt, let me ask you a question. As someone who still plays and someone who still tends to lace them up, when you are facing a top team on the road, you've done it at Auburn, you've, you've, you've done it at this level, what's your mindset when you have to go on the road and face, like, the elite? First off, uh, you got to have your mind right. You also, uh, as I tell a lot of the players, don't overhype yourself into making big mistakes. You know, still, when you play in the Dynasty, Gators, uh, the Airmen, Blackhawks, whoever, when they're, when they're at that top, that up there at that top right there, you have to still remember this is an important game because it's the next game, but you still got to play within yourself. Don't go out there and try to be a superstar. Don't go out there and try to do stuff you ain't never done before. Just play your game, and um, think good things will happen. Stuff will still be there. Keep yourself within the game. A lot of times you see teams, they get amped up. Um, you know, I see people call out the dynasty. I've seen people call out the Gators. i seen people call out the Blackhawks. All this like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, we ready, we do this. Then you step on the field, them teams ain't said nothing to you because once that whistle blow, they bust you in your mouth. And now it's, oh, God, I don't know what they expect. I'm going to try to do too much. And then they just feast on it. You can't you can't give teams like that. You can't make a lot of mistakes with teams like that because they make you pay. So you always have to have your mind right, and you have to be, be prepared. You have to know what your assignments are. You have to make sure that you're playing within yourself and not trying to, trying to uh, overcompensate for different things. Now, Mike, let me ask you a question. As we talked about being the two-time defending champion, I'm sure that you have seen it all. As a veteran, what brings you back? Like, other than the loyalty to the, the cause and loyalty to the team, what makes you want to put that helmet on year after year after year after year? It's the environment. Uh, me, myself, I'm originally from Alabama. Uh, I actually graduated high school from Tuskegee. So, yeah, you know, no Mike Cousins. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we know Mike. <laughs> it, 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 it's a family, you know, it's a family environment. A lot of us on the Dynasty team, you know, well, let me just say several of us have, a, you know, a Dynasty tattoo. You know, it's a bun. A lot of us play flag football together. We do, we work out together. We go out to eat together. We have kids that... When we're playing, say we have a flag football game, our kids are on the sidelines throwing the ball together. So it's the it's the camaraderie, you know, the companionship, the family environment that we built. We built the organization from the ground up, you know, from day one. We we picked a name, 
and we set to be the best team point blank period, and that's our goal. Like we're never satisfied. It's it's never easy playing for Coach Mike, and it's definitely not easy playing for Coach Koo. Like if people think you know, honestly, uh, we're just bragging boast and you know we're flamboyant, but nobody sees the grind that we put in during the off season. Nobody pushes us, you know, pushes us harder than the next person on our team. Like, you have to be able to go to war for your brother in that maroon and gold in order to play the sports. Now, Kobe, to you, what is the vibe with Coach Carver and the uh, Gator organization? You have made the transition from player to coach. What is it like on this side of the field now for you? Uh, it's, it's definitely a little different. Um, I met Phil back when we were the Northwest Florida Nightmare. Um, with Eric Solgard and uh, Phil came on as a coach and really kind of, you know, just fit right in. And he's, Eric moved along to Atlanta, so we, we lost him as an owner and a coach. So, you know, Phil, you know, knew that there was so much talent in this area. But, you know, between Pensacola and Defuniac, about an hour to the east, an hour to the west, we just, there's so much talent here. I mean, we, we have guys, you know, like, LB and, you know, D. Garrett, Isaac, I mean, Tyrone is just a freak athlete. We have all of these guys, and they just need somewhere to play. And there, there's decent teams around here, but there's just nobody that stands out that needs a place for these players to play. And so when Phil took over, you know, it was different because Eric had did, has done so much for us, we had to put our trust into a, a, a person that, you know, we had just met. And Phil has really taken that on and done a great job. Last year was a, a, a year we went nine and one during regular season. We, you know, met the dynasty who we played, you know, um, two years prior to that when we were the nightmare. So we kind of known a little bit about them. We knew that they were growing and getting bigger and better. Um, but you know, Phil didn't back down, and we had a we had a tough game last year, and it was a learning experience for us. Uh, we we got beat at home, and you know, Phil during the off season, his off season never stopped. It wasn't even an off season. It felt like you know he went up and coached the all-star game, and a lot of the players, you know, fell in love with him there, and that's why we got so many players from, from the outside and so many players trying to join, and he just does such a great job of bringing everybody together. We have, you know, 50-something guys on the roster from, man, probably 25 different cities. It's it's incredible the people that we have come together, and Phil just really embodies that and brings it together. And we didn't have a defensive coordinator. We had a couple guys in mind, but, I've played in this league since 2013. I've played with most of these guys since 2013. And I kind of took over a little bit last year at the end of the year um, just because I'm not the best player in the world. I'll go out there and battle as hard as I can. But, you know, I just have such a passion left for the game that my teammates are like, you know, hey, why don't you, why don't you coach? And so, you know, I'm, of course, our long snapper for some god-awful reason. I've got that talent. <laughs> so I still play. I still dress. I'm in a, a full uniform. You know, I – I'll go out there and play a couple snaps. I actually played corner this last weekend, which is, you know, where I love to play. But, you know, my, the players kind of were like, hey, you know, Colby, we trust you. You're a veteran. You know this defense. You know, why don't you take over? And it, it's worked. You know, we've got five touchdowns on defense already this year. We've got well over 20 sacks in, you know, three games. So it's it's clicking. You know, we haven't played a, a dominant team yet that's, you know, stuck out. And we'll, we'll see this weekend. But, you know, it's Phil has just done such a great job bringing players together, working us together, building us as a team. It's just, it's really something that you have to see to believe. You know, we got guys from, you know, Mobile, Montgomery. We have a guy from um, Atlanta, Defuniac, Elba, Alabama. I mean, it's it's insane. People are driving two or three hours to come play with us, but it's because of how he has built this program. It's just, it's it's outstanding to be a part of. Matt, with you and the credit is just just the whole organization how important is coaching at this level as far as there is an abundance of talent in Alabama and there's an abundance of talent throughout the South how important is coaching extremely important extremely extremely important um without coaching you know players will, will go out there and try to do what what they want to do um you know all all great players are not great coaches. So it really takes a, a special person to understand situations and got to know. Uh, I know COVID being a defense coordinator, he knows this. You've got to know a team's tendencies. you got to know, hey, it's third and five. 
they may not. Some may say, yeah, they're gonna run this because they doing this. Yeah, that's the time they come and beat you deep. And um, so it takes a lot. A lot of people don't understand all the stuff that goes into coaching. So the coaching aspect is extremely important. Um, I think it separates a lot of teams in this league. Um, sometimes you you will play some teams and feel like they're getting their plays straight off of Madden. And <laughs> other teams you will play, and it seems like they come sit down, uh, put together a good playbook, a good game script, uh, got different plays for different situations, and, you know, it shows. Sometimes I see some things, they line up, and you immediately know where the ball's going. It ain't it ain't no no secrets, no second guessing. It's just sitting there, just come on down here, and this is where the ball is. So I think uh, coaching separates a lot of teams in this league. Now, Mike, to your point, as a, a veteran, when you're playing a – a team that you know that you're about to snatch their soul from their body. How early do you get that that feeling that this game is about to be over quickly? Well, you know, um, we haven't said any at halftime, so <laughs> uh, we, we if if we can put our foot on your throat, we're going to apply that pressure. Point blank, period. Every every down on the field, it's not a down that we're going to take off. It's not point blank period. We're here for one one purpose, and that purpose is to practice to win, and we play to dominate. Like as I stated, we we stress that practice to win, play to dominate. The way that we practice is the way that we're going to play. So when it's fourth, you know fourth quarter, and your, your legs are burning, if you haven't been you know practicing like that, then you're not going to just cut it on and play like that. You have to. You have to build that habit. You know, you have to build that fire sometimes. And if if you don't have that, this point blank period, this isn't the game for you. Now, Kobe, to the point of you, as far as being with the Gators, you have a phenomenal pass. You have included a bunch of new players. You have a bunch of guys from last year. Can you articulate how important it is in this league when you're facing a quarterback like a, a Stephen Jackson, one who can move his feet very well, how important is it to make sure that you give him nothing to to improvise off of? Yeah, it's it's not easy, you know, going into somebody playing against, you know, the with Stephen Jackson's, you know, the Tyrone Joneses, because, I mean, we played against him, you know, before this year when he joined us, you know, um, Carl Davis is a good one, you know, Mr. One High. I always get to pick on him with that. Um, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks, you, you can't give up anything. You know, sitting here tonight, I was talking with my wife and trying to figure out the defense and a good rotation to get in. And the, the main thing that I just kept thinking about is people like with Steven Jackson, you can't give up one, two, three plays, or that, that could be the ball game. I mean, it, people like that take that and, they, you know, they can give them – you know, strength, it can give them, you know, I mean, I mean, everything. It can change the whole dynamic. You give up one big play. So really containing somebody like him, our defensive line does such a great job. You know, they listen. Like I said, I'm not a coach. I played for, for six, seven years with a lot of these guys as a, as a teammate. And, you know, taking on the role of a coach, they do respect me. But, you know, me trying to tell them, hey, you have to do this and this, they, they really listen. Um, and that's something we're 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 going to see how well it works this this weekend. We haven't played against a dominant quarterback. Uh, the Jets have a, a pretty decent quarterback, but um, our defensive line is just on a whole other level. We have people that are fourth string on our defensive line that would start on 90% of these teams. Um, and trying to get a good rotation in against people, you know, like Jackson, it it can be it can be difficult. But if if you've got it going. You know, we, we have a couple plans. We have a couple ideas that we think we can we can work with. I, I haven't seen much dynasty tape. We can't get a hold of it much this year. Uh, but you know, from from last year, we it's the same quarterback. We know what he's doing. Um, but you just gotta stop him. And, and people can sit here and talk all day long. I could sit here and talk for an hour about how I can stop him. But when it comes to the field, you know, he he he. It's his control and it's our control. And whoever can, you know get to it first, that's that's really who dominates. So uh, it just just depends on who executes who, you know, really 
follows suit and, and does what they're supposed to do and does their job, stays in, in their lanes and, and stuff like that. So he's definitely a quarterback that's, that's well-respected in this league, and you have to be ready and, you know, kind of just take take it play-by-play play and be ready for the man. In this league, it's funny. With so many teams, there are so few good quarterbacks where it's probably less than a couple of handfuls of good quarterback. Like you had mentioned the one from the Jets. The Gators wore his ass out like a new suit, but yet he kept getting up. He he took an ungodly beating, but he kept standing up and he kept playing, and that that's that is commendable. Matt, so you when you play an athlete at quarterback like a Jackson, like a Tyrone Jones, what would you instruct your linemen to kind of focus on or try to keep in the back of their minds? Um. Contain. Uh, I I played against Stephen and Mike you know, a couple years ago in the national championship with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and uh, Mike will tell you we lost containment several times on the outside, and those pl- plays really swung um, the game. Um, I can tell you one very vividly. I remember I think it was third and fifteen, and we didn't contain. And Stephen went twenty about twenty two yards for a first down. Um, it's it's one of those things because we we know you give them an inch they're gonna take a mile and they're gonna hurt you. So it's all about uh, again not making those critical mistakes like that. You can, you can't two quarterbacks like that that not only can not only can hurt you with their arms but they can hurt you with their feet. You have to play smart ball. You have to have a good game plan and you have to stick to that game plan that works. Um, but when when your linemen get there, uh, as Mike thought of a very good point, when your when your linemen get there and they're not in shape and they're not there, that's when mistakes start happening. And mm-hmm. when the, when they when that uh, when that tired football start playing, those two quarterbacks like that, that's when they tear you up. You, it's like everything they do is ten times harder to stop them late in the game. And uh, now you're away from your your plan. You're scrambling. You're calling crazy stuff, trying to compensate for uh, playing tired football. So I always try to tell my linemen: be in shape, be smart, play smart. Um, don't don't do too much. Try to trust the man next to you to, to do his assignment and work together work together well as a unit, and everything else will fall in place. Now, Mike, to the same point where. You're facing an athlete in Tyrone Jones, but you're also facing a Ligaris Green who can actually run the ball. He had a couple of touchdowns last night. As a defensive back, you have shown the ability to not be shy of, as far as being able to provide support versus the run. Why don't you think that many defensive backs, not on your team, but just league-wide, who they'll make a business, a business decision as far as will get late to a play or not even throw themselves in the middle of the fray. What separates you as far as the willingness to actually jump in the pile or jump into the wash and make a play versus the run? It's my mindset. Um, I mean, if you ever been to a dynasty game or, you know, or just hung around us, you, you'll hear me say I'm 6'5", 250. You know, on the field, I'm playing like I'm that 6'5", 250 guy. That's my mindset. Uh Point blank period. I, I got You got to know I'm out there, one way or another. I got to make a play. You got to know I'm out there. You know, some we have vocal captains on the, you know, on the team, and we have captains who lead by their gameplay. I myself like to look as a person that you know, I, I like to lead by gameplay. That's that's just that. It's the it's the heart. It's the mindset. You know, if you're not built for it, you, you're not gonna fit. Point blank period. Now, Kobe, to the extent of we all know that the Stephen Jackson will provide a dual threat, what member of the dynasty offense that may not get the accolades or the acclaim that people need to look for? Well, I've always been a big believer in you're not going to have a good quarterback unless you have a great offensive line. And there's no way that you can watch one play of the Mississippi dynasty without noticing that massive offensive line. I mean, some of those offensive linemen probably on average are bigger than a lot of colleges. I mean, they, and they work well together. 
um, I believe it's Gatewood. You know, he's he's the loud one, the dancer, people like that that, that just have fun. Um, and and I mean, you look at the list of the the good quarterbacks. Really, like you said, it's very slim in the APDFL. But with those good quarterbacks come a great offensive line. Um, no disrespect to where Tyrone Jones came from, but you know Tyrone ran for his life last year. They had a smaller offensive line this year. You know, especially this weekend, the man threw four touchdowns pretty easily. Now, yeah, once again, we played against a smaller team, but you know, having that trust in the offensive line—that's where you get these great quarterbacks from. And with Stephen Jackson, I mean, I'm sure he would be the first to tell you he he will get nowhere in any game without that offensive line. So you know, the dynasty has. Great players all around, great receivers, um, you know, great running backs, but they will be nothing ever without that, that five guys up front. Um, and that's that's just football. I mean, you look at college, professional, heck, middle school, it starts with the offensive line. It starts with the big boys, and they never get enough credit. You know, our, our guys on our team, you know, we, we try to make sure that they, you know, notice how much we respect him. You know, Tyrone posted a thing on our Facebook page the other day, you know, just saying thank you so much for, you know, keeping him um, a great player because that's, that's where it starts. So if I'm going to give any credit, you know, outside of Stephen Jackson, I have to throw it to the O-line. I mean, that's that's a that's a scary offensive line whenever you look at it on paper. I mean, those, those are some big old boys, and you just have to be ready. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have the defensive line or the, the defensive mindset or the – the readiness to play somebody like that, you're going to get ran over. And, I mean, they've showed it time and time again. And I think we're up for it. I think, I mean, I've talked to all my defensive linemen today individually, and they're up for the challenge. So I'm, I'm excited. I think we can, we'll be able to, to come in and give them a run, but without a doubt, offensive line. Now, Matt, to the point that Kobe just made as far as the offensive line, why is it so difficult to find, like, even one, maybe two, uh, competent linemen in this league, like where teams struggle with finding quality linemen? Is it more of just the lack of lineman talent or just guys just not not trying to feel having to play in the trenches for four quarters? Second part. <laughs> Second part. Uh, a lot of folks don't don't want to uh, want to be on the be in those trenches for four quarters. Sometimes, you know, you have players and anybody who plays semi-pro ball, when you get new players to come, everybody can play defense. Everybody can play quarterback. Everybody can play wide receiver. Everybody can play the skill position, your linebackers, uh, running back, stuff like that. But the big, the biggest hurdle you always have is trying to get linemen. Um, and the dynasty are blessed. They they got five. They got five, maybe uh, eight. Uh, uh, good ones. As Kobe said, you got Gatewood, you got Gadney, um, um, you got your your other guys, and the other advantage they have is that they're athletic. So the the problem is you you try to get some guys and you you get your off season, you working with them, you trying to get them in shape to last these four quarters. Some guys they've been out of football maybe a couple of years, uh, and they don't they don't have that work ethic to to get better uh, day in and day out. And uh, whatever teams that usually have those those men that are trying to put in that extra work, trying to get better, trying to uh, block, that opens up a whole other thing for coaching on the offensive side. Now you can pull. Now you can do traps. Now you can try to get to second level. You can uh, run a lot of off-tackles, uh, powers, whams, stuff like that. And uh, it's just it's hard at this level to get guys to say, "Hey, man, we need you to keep working this way, keep working this way, keep working this way." Because not only do they have to get in get in shape, they have to get their mind in shape too. Because with offense comes a lot of calls. You know, they got to know if this guy's blitzing, is he stunting, going on two, are we sliding left, sliding right, match protection, stuff like that. So some guys rather say, you know what, I just go on defense and it's just see ball, hit ball, and they don't realize it's more to go to defense than just see ball, hit ball. And um, so the the biggest problem is just trying to get these guys to be in shape, uh, perfect their craft at at uh, at the linemen, and some guys just don't want to put in that work. So 
you have you have a a tough position. And some guys don't realize they may have been a running back in high school or college or whatnot, but now you don't put on about fifty pounds. You no running back no more. You, you know you're a guard or you a tackle or come learn how to play this center and stuff like that. And it's about putting your pride aside and doing what's best for the team. Now, Mike, to as someone who plays a very solid defensive back, you've had to probably line up across talented wide receivers. For your money, in the last, let's say, two years, who is the best wide receiver you've had to uh, cover in this league? Oh, that's a tough... <laughs> um, I would say my... The, the wide receiver that I have my favorite, I would say most, you know, my most physical games has to be my guy Tyree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's I, that. When, when I'm playing against him, I know I got to be on my game. You know, I know he's 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 bigger than me for one. You know, and that's always something that people try to use to their advantage with me not being the biggest guy. Um, but he would definitely be as as far as you know, just on the spot, off the top of my head, he would definitely be the my favorite wide receiver to to you know line up against because it's going to be a physical game, you know, and it's it's not even a game of you know jaw jacking back and forth, you know. We we're playing against each other, but from time to time we're gonna joke around, you know. You yeah, good play, you know, things of that nature. It's good sportsmanship, but it's all in the love of the game. But it's definitely a physical game whenever we lined up. Now, Kobe, to Mike's point that he has his favorite opponent, now that you, like, as being the defensive coordinator of the Gators and civil players, who is your favorite opponent that you either like lining up against or playing against currently? Um, see... They they're not around much more. Um, they kind of you know scatter around to the Dolphins. And you got the Generals, but Pritchard. You have to give so much respect to Pritchard. A lot of the guys in the past two or three years that's joined this league really don't know what who the you know the, either the Hawaii Robinson Falcons or the Pritchard Falcons um, really are. You know that was a team that when I first started in 2011, they were on the map. You know it was back to back to back champions. You had somebody. Like Kiki was their quarterback, um, just outstanding. And you know, you knew when you were going in to play against them, it was going to be your toughest game you've ever played. And I've played in this league or around a lot of these teams since 2011. This league came in 2013, so I've been a part of it since then. But even before that, when we were in other leagues, Pritchard was around, and the Jets and the Scorpions. But you know, I've I've beaten almost every team in this league that I've played against except for Pritchard. I'm, I'm 0-3 against Pritchard for my life, and I, I hate that they're not around because uh, I, I won't ever get that back. You know, I've beaten, you know, the Dynasty. I, I've beaten, you know, the LeBlazin uh, Bulldogs from Louisiana, the Jags, all these, you know, high high teams that have came into our league with championships and rings. We beat them, but somebody like Pritchard, you know, when you line up against them, every single one of their players are top athletes. And you learn so much from that. You know, you learn from your mistakes. I'm a true believer. I'm also a teacher outside of football. You know, I, I tell my students this all the time. You're not, you can't always be right because if you're always right, you're never learning. So you learn from your mistakes. And I love, love making mistakes because that means I get to learn something. And, you know, growing up, I was the only, you know, white corner that, you know, came out to play. So, of course, every team that I've played against in this league looks over and goes, is that a white corner? All right, we're throwing to him. So I had to learn the hard way. It's it's a struggle. I'm only you know five foot eleven, 170 pounds. I'm not a big guy. So you know going out there, I get picked on a lot. And you know Pritchard, I learned so much playing against those guys. And it's it's really nice. You know we we have six guys from the Mobile area on our team. You know we have the Rico, the Tyree Mims. You know we we've got you know JB. We've got these players that are, are you know come from Mobile. And they're they're bringing that to us. You know and Rico is a big part of our our defensive. Um, team, you know, he actually makes the play calls. We just kind of coached him up, and he's making the play calls off the top. But it's so crazy because he brings that Pritchard Falcon mindset to this team that you're like, man, this is this is what we've had to play against for so many years. It's so great that he's with us. So, you know, the, the dynasty will always be a, a big team in my eyes. The 
you know, the um, <clears throat> the New Orleans Jaguars is, is always up there, but Pritchard's got the number one, man. And I, I wish teams knew how they played or how they were now because them and the dynasty, those those type of teams, they don't they don't come around all the time. They don't stick around all the time like both of these teams have done. So. Now, Matt, to the point of if we fast forward right now, who is the one player in this league that no one talks about but is one of the five or ten best overall? The one the one player with very little press but produces. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a few that I can go with with that. Um, God. <laughs> um, you know all the usual suspects. I mean, they they're getting there. Um, I I give you one. Uh, mm-hmm. Keon Young down at Tuskegee Airmen. That's, what that's what be. makes him stand out? Downhill runner. Um, I've seen Keon play in a couple of leagues. Um, I've actually had the pleasure of playing with him. I actually didn't even know he was playing this year. Um, so I saw him pop on the stat sheet. Down, downhill runner. Uh, solid, solidly built. Uh, he he's a, he's a good one. Um, Mike Smith with the Predators, he's he's another good one. Um, mm-hmm. He he's he's uh I know uh I know Mike you know Mike Smith. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> him and him and him and Money both. Uh, Money's really came in and kind of showed that he's a a force to be reckoned with with uh with there. Um, you know I ain't heard too much about Anthony out there with the dynasty. Uh, well, is he still actually, playing with y'all too? Yeah, he's um he just recently got married. Shout out to AJ. Um, so, but yeah, he's kind of you know he's he's on the honeymoon phase. So, yeah. uh, yeah, and see, he you know Anthony is always a threat. Uh, Dion Graham, you got to give it to to the OG Dion Graham out with the Georgia Cobras. Uh, plays QB. Uh, with them, and uh, Kobe's got got one on defense that I just think flies under the radar. But I tell people all the time, I think he's he's probably one of the biggest threats on their defense. Um, Isaac Warren, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like Isaac comes in and blows up plays off. The, uh, especially you know uh, Terry, when we were looking at a lot of film last year. Every time we looked up, he was blowing up the play, even if he wasn't making the tackle. And always around, always around the film. Always, always around the ball. And I just feel like he uh, he flies under the radar a whole lot as well. Um, it's it's a, I mean, it's, you got guys all over the uh, place that's that's just flying under the radar. But those some guys, that, I mean, you as soon as you pop in film on them, they stand out. You gonna you gonna see them and you gonna uh, uh, and they and they they come out and they make plays right out right off the bat. Uh, uh, it's it's so it's so many more I can keep going on and on about that. You just you go look at film and you like, dang, who's this this guy? Then you go back and look and they've been making plays all season. I agree with that, Mike. To you, let me ask you a question, kind of similar but a little bit different. You probably watch a lot of dudes who jump on social media and run their miles and don't really have the game to back it up. If you don't want to say a name, that's cool. But is there one person when you look at this person constantly talking and is like, why are you running your mouth? And you will see them, you might see them on the field this year. Will you let them know that they should kind of say less and play more? Uh, I mean, a lot of times, you know, it's the page, you know, it's a lot of job jacking going on back and forth. But me, myself, personally, I never take it to heart. Um, you know, when it's game time, it's game time. Uh, just because you type a good message don't mean you're going to relay the same message on the field. You know, I, I know what I'm bringing. So I, I just hope you're bringing the same thing. So, 
Don't let your mouth write a check, bitch. You know, you can't cash. Kobe, would you agree with that? Is there, I'm sure there's someone who you would, you know, without names, or if you want to say a name, it's fine, but if you don't, that's cool. If there's anyone that you know that should not ever, ever type a message ever in life. Look, we have had a few of them in this league. Um, some of them, man, they get to talking about it, and then you go to comment, because I'll be honest, I'm one of the biggest talkers out there, mainly because I don't have to see the field, so I can talk to you. I don't even have to show I have to back it up. i got 11 guys on the field that do it for me. So, um, you know, I, we got into it this weekend with somebody, and he just ran his mouth, ran his mouth. Now he did have car issues and didn't come, but, you know, that seems to happen. I do honestly believe he had car issues, and I'm, I'm so thankful that he was able to make it back home. But, you know, we, there's guys like that all over this league that, you know, just run their mouth and they don't show up to games or, you know, they, they use these excuses. And you see it a lot. And really the biggest players really don't talk. And that's that's kind of where, you know, the where Steven Jackson comes in into play. You know, the, the Tyrone Jones is coming to play. When's the last time you really ever seen them post anything, you know, significant on, the, you know, the crap talking page? You won't see that. You know, these guys are humble. They sit back and play. And probably 80% of the people that talk on the Facebook um, crap talking page, you know, they're in over their heads. And it really puts a target out for them. I mean, you know, that's something that I do as a coach. You know, I make sure that I'm going against people that are deserving. I make sure, okay, hey, we really can't look over this guy. But if there's somebody that we're playing a smaller team, you know, kind of like this weekend, you know, we're not. I never go into a game knowing we're going to win, but you just kind of have that feeling like, okay, well, you know, if we do the right things, there's almost no way we can lose this. When it comes down to, you know, halftime, I'm going to look for that player and be like, all right, now, now we're shutting him up. Um, so – and I don't really understand why a lot of these players feel like they can talk. You know, I, I've always been a firm believer we're all in the same league. So you may be the best player in this league, but guess what? You're still in the same league as I am. You know, you're not getting paid. You, you, you may be looking for an out. You may be just doing this for the fun. You may be doing it for the jersey. You may be doing it to look cool to say that you play semi-pro football or, you know, whatever you want to be. But you're still in the same league as everybody in here. So, you know, and, and that's something – LeBaron Mauer, you know, is just he's so huge right now um, for our team and for this league, um, you know, and I, I can't even express I've known this man for nine years and how humble he is. He is by far a top five athlete in this league, doesn't get the respect he does for a lot of people. But, again, you don't see him talk a lot. And this year, you know, he has recently came back. He is active, you know, for our team, as I've seen on Facebook. Um, but, you know, he he comes in, he plays, he doesn't talk, and it, the people he does talk to, he backs it up, and you have to give so much respect to people like that. Um, so I, I'm not going to shoot any names. There's a few names I've got in the back of my head, but I'll, I'll be respectful to them because we are all in the same league. I'm not better than anybody, and I don't feel like anybody's better than any one person because if you go out there with that one-person mentality, that's where you get beat. There's 11 guys on the field on your team at one time, and not one player is going to make that big of a difference. I agree with that. Matt, to the point of the fact that being a veteran player and you like, and I had brought this up with Mike earlier, the uh, mentoring process where you're a teacher. How do you implement what you do on the football field in the classroom or on the, or when you coach? How do you transfer that thought process? Um, with With me, a lot of times I'll go up, uh, especially with my with my players in high school, I go up to them and um, I stand beside them. And I, when the when the offense breaks the huddle, I tell them I might get them tell the offense to get in a certain um, formation. Whether I'm coaching offense or defense, I tell the outside give them formation, and then using let's use my defense for a minute. I'll ask my linemen what did they see first. And I tell them, I say, process everything you see right now. And, you know, they might say, okay, coach, I see strong right, this, that, and third, and stuff. And I said, okay, how many times have you seen this formation? And then I, we go from there, how many times they've seen it? And then I say, okay, what have they done out of this formation? Every time you've seen it, what have they done? And it's the motion always been the same. Should we shift? Should we do this? Then I go to the next level. Then the next, Then I go to the third level. And we talk about all those things that we see. And then we say, okay, so our call is this. Should we stay in this? And I stand beside them because I tell them, this is what I'm seeing. This is what you're seeing. Let's see who, uh, 
how do we get on the same page. Same thing with the offense. I kind of try to be out there and show them that football is, uh, is a game that you're constantly learning. You're constantly learning. you you got to memorize stuff. you got to try to stay a step ahead of your opponent. Um, try to show them all type of stuff. And I, and I constantly, I know my teammates hate hearing it. I know my players hate hearing it. I know all this stuff. I always tell them, trust what you see. Trust what you see. Trust what you see. And um, I know a lot of younger players have always said, Coach, I don't get that. What, what do you mean, trust what you see? If you see that guy, that you see that tackle on the end and he shoots inside to go try to get that middle linebacker, trust that is a run. Get get to the get to that ball. Go see what you see. Don't don't follow him into the trash. Trust trust that that man is going to watch out and he's freeing you up. He's letting you come free. I need you to go be that dog and go get that ball. And um, you know some people when they when they finally realize they're like, okay, coach, I get it. I gotta trust myself. I always trust yourself to be out there on the field. So that that's one of my biggest things about the mentoring. I try to instill in all my players. Trust, trust yourself. We all gonna make mistakes. We all gonna sit down there. You gonna get beat sometimes, but trust yourself. Trust yourself to bounce back. Don't get down on yourself. Don't get down on your teammates. And that's that's always my biggest thing because I feel like the more heart you got, the more solidarity as a team, you got a better chance of winning than just having that one guy that, like Kobe says, you got one guy that's actually trying to do it all. He's gonna flame out. He's going to get tired, and then once he stops, all your momentum stops. So I tell them to trust each other, play for the name on the front of the jersey, and play for the man on the side of them. They'll remember the name on the back. Now, Mike, as someone, as a parent, how much of a thrill is it to be still playing or be playing and having your kids be able to appreciate seeing their, seeing their dad on the field? Um, I love it. You know, I love it. Um, have God bless me with three boys, you know. So somebody out of the trio has to be the football player. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. You know, I, I bring my boys to practice um, just like other teammates do. Um, you know, we're all parents, you know. So we interact with our kids at, at practice just as we do, you know, during pregame. A lot of home games, if my kids are there, you know, before it's, you know, time to just really lock in and be focused, you know, I may be out, you know, on the field enjoying that moment with my son, you know, enjoying that moment with our kids. It's wonderful to be able to look in the stands and see your kid there, you know. Um, I know he doesn't really know what's going on, you know, they don't know really what's going on, but... It's just heartwarming to be able to look over there and, you know, see that face. Now, uh, Kobe, as someone who works, you work in the, you are a certified behavior therapist as far as dealing with children with autism. Me personally, as a parent of an autistic child, my daughter is four years old. She's autistic. Can you explain to maybe folks who don't know what you do, why is it important, and what are the rewards of being a behavior therapist for, with autistic children? Well, first I'll have to say and start off, man, it is a, it is a blessing. Um, that people, you know, hear the word autism and they, they think so many different things, and it's because it is so many different things, you know, the, between the behaviors or, you know, the, the levels of, you know, how severe it, it may be, you know, patience. I can't practice how much patience you have to have to be a parent, um, as you know, or to be an educator. Uh, me and my wife have both been in this field for about eight years, and uh, I kind of fell into it. I, it wasn't something I was really looking for. I literally, God just put me somewhere next to a building, and a, a guy had walked out, and I was, you know, kind of listening and stuff, and I I went in and talked to him, and I fell into it, and I loved it. Um, you know, some days I go into work just going, man, this is just going to be a long day. And some days it is, you know. I, I've been there, you know, where I'm just kind of like shaking my head, like, what do I do next? What What am I, 
what am I getting myself into? And then there's days which, man, they just shine. And it's you go into work and you're you're down because maybe something happened or, you know, heck, if you even lost a football game, you're carrying that into the weekend. And then one of your kids come in and do something that they haven't done in, in months that you've worked on. It, it, it's just such a payoff. Um, we actually, at our home field, um, I use a little reward system with some of my, my students. Um, I'm a, a behavioral technician, a therapist, but also I run a classroom during the day. I'm a math teacher um, for our older kids to get them back into public schools and to get them back in, into on track or where they need to be. And our reward system, if you do great on something or you, you, you know, you're working hard, I'll actually invite you to a game, you know, have you come on the field and, and you know, help us stretch. Or, you know, we actually had one kid last year that came out, and I almost want to say it was a dynasty game when we were the nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was actually at that game, and he ran out He ran out and did the coin toss with us. So, you know, stuff like that is, you know, you have to have the patience for these kids, and you have to have, you know, the love and the passion for it. I, I really do. You know, something like I said that I – I didn't go to school, you know, wanting to do. It wasn't something I was in high school. I was like, hey, I want to do this. You know, I fell into it, but I really fell into it with, you know, so much love and passion for it now. Um, you know, it's, and for parents, you know, if, if you have that, keep that love and passion. You know, they're, they're not anything less than any, any, you know, typical normal kid. You know, they, they need that love. They need that patience and that, that affection. And, you know, it, it, some days it is hard. Some days you're going to be at such a loss, but there's going to be those days where it it all pays off, and those are the days that will keep you going. Those are the days that may not wake up in the morning. I'm so happy because I'm ready to get back to work and work on this and work on this, and it's, it is just a, such a blessing. So without a doubt, you know, I love football, but that is my, my number one love is being able to go to go to work on Monday with with these kids. I agree. As a parent, I can actually tell you this. When – my daughter was diagnosed. She was diagnosed at three, so it was like a. So she just she just completed her first year and change of therapy. And as you know, one of the telltale signs are children who don't make eye contact for the first couple of years of life. She will look in your eye. Now she looks you dead in your eye. And it's funny because I also have a, a two-year-old. He likes baseball. She is the football fan. She will sit in the same spot for three hours and watch that game. We are. I'm a. A, a Raiders fan, a diehard Raiders fan. Khalil Mack is probably <laughs> our favorite player of all time. And she used to watch him play and emulate his moves. I would take her in the backyard, and we could still throw a, like, a regular size football, and she will catch it. Away from her body, just stabbed, like, hands, just hands everywhere. And it's, it is definitely something to watch an evolution of a child who folks aren't, aren't sure what they have, aren't sure what to do. But, yeah, like you said, it takes patience. Matt, let me ask you a question. Now, I know that Mike had mentioned earlier about the dynasty having a love of a hitty after the game. <laughs> what is your post-game celebration like? As far as what is your uh, go-to drink? Uh, stress reliever. <laughs> That's what it's called, a stress reliever. Uh, <laughs> You you get them at uh, uh Wild Wings Cafe. They uh that that's what I like. Oh, a Jack and Coke. Uh, but most of the time it's good stress relievers. Uh, uh, my my old lady always laughs when I get them because she tell you trying to say I get on your nerves. And I'm like, no, I just play football. <laughs> and she said, well, I think you're trying to say me and the kids get on your nerves. I said, because I ordered the stress reliever. So she she kind of feels some way every time I order it. But that's that's my go-to drink after, after the game. Now, Mike, <laughs> Gatewood is quick to explain the love of Henny. Jackson always, you know, explains his love of Henny. I am a tequila person. I haven't had Henny in forever. Why do folks like it so much? <laughs> uh, the hand out. Different folks. You know, different strokes for different folks. That's the best thing I can tell you. You know, it it, it brings out the fun. As anything can happen, <laughs> it brings out the fun. Now, is it straight or do you mix it with something? Uh, it, it, it depends on 
Uh, well, me myself, I'm not much of a drinker. You know, you can give me a bottle of water and I'm good. But when I do partake in, when I do partake, yeah, I, I just I I'd rather go straight. That is true. I'm more of the fan of the tequila, just straight, just or in a tequila sunrise. Um, Kobe, what's your drink of choice? Well, see, I'm kind of I'm kind of the same way. I don't, I'm not a big drinker. Uh, you know, I I have to deal with these these 55 crazy crazy guys we have on the field. Um, so I I can't drink too much because I got to take care of some of these guys. But uh, especially these Pensacola guys. I, I met them a couple years ago, and I've never seen the people that party as hard as they do. You talk about when the game ends, bottles are popped as quick as possible. Bottles are popped before pads are popped, really. Um, you know, we went to the kickoff classic, and I rode with a bunch of them. We actually took a limo to the kickoff classic. One of our players and uh, slash owner Tom Morning uh, recently bought a limo, so we actually took it to the kickoff classic. And uh, you know, just it, it's just a fun thing. You know, you loosen up. You you know, like Mike said, it's a, it's a stress reliever. These games you go into, even if it's an easy game, you still have stress. And as a coach, you have the stress of. You have to not only win the game, but you have to keep these players healthy because these players go back home to families or back home to jobs. Um, we had a freak accident in the game we just played against. I actually had to have a guy sent um, in the ambulance. And, you know, that's just not something you want to see. And so it is. It's such a this is such a high level stress, um, you know, game it, from top to bottom. Doesn't matter who you're playing or what the weekend is. Getting these players home safe or you know the win or you know plays. And that is, that's just, an, it's an easy kickback, you know, just to, to relax, you know, it opens up talk and, you know, the, the fun. So my, my drink of choice is a cherry Coke or a water or a Gatorade, just something something easy. But, you know, for everybody else, everybody's got their own their own taste. But just to, just to make sure you get there tonight, that's such an easy thing to pop back and, and relax and get you a drink. That's really so what kind of Gatorade? What flavor? Yeah, what flavor? I'm done with I'm down with any Gatorade except for that yellow lemon lime junk. I think the blue or the okay. orange, especially because you got to go for the the Gulf Coast Gator colors. Okay. <laughs> I make sure we were on the same page. Now. Anything but lemon lime. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Matt, let me ask you a question. As someone who has played in a various bunch of stadiums all over the South, where was the best food you had at an opposing stadium? The best food at the opposing stadium? Mm-hmm. Um, you already know what state I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> good old uh, Baton Rouge. <laughs> that is, that is, they have good food down there. Death Valley is definitely nice. Yeah, good old. Now, the problem is if you beat them, you need to get on up out of there. But, uh,. <laughs> Because <laughs> they, they go from being very friendly very quick to the <laughs> worst people in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't fight uh, you. I, I, yeah. But um, definitely um, there. Then uh, Auburn, you know, I tell everybody, if you've never been to an Auburn game, uh, you must go. Over tailgate. Uh, we, got, we got some of the best food before tailgate. And Tuskegee Homecoming, Mike already knows. Uh, <laughs> homecoming. You 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 gotta uh you gotta go out there because you gonna get some of the best cooks you ain't never met. Ain't nothing uh, like the four six. Right, right. So those those are those are three best stadium foods right there. No, you, it's, it's <laughs> no, Mike, you're from Shorter Alabama, right? Shorter Alabama. Now, you live in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Which state has the better food, Alabama or Mississippi? If you had to pick one to eat for the rest of your life. I mean, it's no, it's nothing like, it's, there is nothing like mom's home cooking. So, point <laughs> blank, period. <laughs> it's Alabama. Oh, yeah. I actually just recently came from Alabama last weekend, you know, with, uh, Went home, enjoyed some time with everybody, and I, you know, for those three, four days, picked out on whatever, whatever I decided to eat, and been missing it. So there's nothing like my mom's home cooking. So I'm definitely going with Alabama. What does what do the uh, desserts look like there? Like, are we talking pecan? Are we talking sweet potato? All right. 
I'm 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 more of an apple pie ice cream type of guy. You know, um, then, yeah, I'm an apple pie ice cream type of guy. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is now, Toby, to you, like being from uh, Florida, the stereotype is that a uh, key lime pie is the greatest thing in the world there. Are you a fan of key lime, or do you have another uh, dessert of choice? See, I work next door to Chick-fil-A, and they just came out with key lime uh, shakes. So I haven't had one. My wife said they're the greatest. I love some key lime pie. But uh, I actually, most of my family is, uh, is from Alabama. Uh, my grandma still lives there. So I would be wrong for saying Florida food is anywhere near as good as, as Alabama like. Like they said, Alabama home cooking is Alabama home cooking. Uh, and you got restaurants, you know, like Dreamlands Barbecue in, in Tuscaloosa. There's one in Mobile, Montgomery. If you want oh, barbecue, man. I mean, there's, there's a good barbecue place, but Dreamland is is by far top. And my grandma can cook too. So, I mean, Florida, we have down here, I live, I live you know, five minutes from the, from the water, from the Gulf of Mexico. So we have all the seafood joints. And that, that, that's all well. I've lived here for 25 years. So that stuff's, you know, kind of burnt out. But. Man, you go to Alabama, I love, you know, being able to travel to New Orleans is great. I love the Cajun food. Um, you know, that's that's great. But there's nothing like a good home-cooked meal from Alabama. Some banana pudding, uh, you know, is a, is a classic. Uh, we have homemade ice cream. So Alabama's got, got the check mark on that by far. <laughs> now, Matt, to you, what, what is your uh, go-to side, mac and cheese or greens? You have to eat one and not the other. Which one would you choose? Mac and cheese. I agree with that. Mac and you can't go wrong with Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Cannot, eh? You cannot go wrong with the Mac and cheese. Man, homemade Mac and cheese? There's nothing like it. Fresh out the oven. <laughs> Man, what? What? <laughs> it has to have those burnt edges to it in the side. Just, just... Yes, you got, you got to have that little crisp on the side. Got to. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I need the side that was on the pan. <laughs> I remember, like, the first month I was here, I live in Wisconsin now. The first month I was here, I went to a, a barbecue. Somebody actually made Kraft mac and cheese and actually put it out with the other food. <laughs> when somebody said, oh, that's mac and cheese, I lifted up the telephone. You should, you should have sent them home. And I suddenly wanted to. <laughs> you just didn't. I just sent them home. I wanted to flip the table over, start cursing everybody out. I just kind of just stand by it. It was what was worse was this. Up here they have chili, right? But they put elbow macaroni in the chili. Oh no. Yeah. Nah. I don't know what it was. I'm like, oh, this is something interesting. I, I put a little on my plate. Oh, this is this is what we call chili. I'm like, no, hell no, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I was actually like angered by it. I'm like, I, I ate it because it was on my plate and I wanted it to be nice. It was the worst chili I've ever had in my whole life. If I live to be a thousand years old, I'll never forget that taste on a spoon. No. Yeah, that's now with that said. Before we, before we get out of here, I want to thank Mike, Kobe, and Matt for joining us tonight. Fellas, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I, I definitely enjoyed, you know, having this conversation with you guys. Thank you so much, thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. This has been another episode of Under the Helmet. Thank you, and have a good night. See you guys next week. All right, guys. All right. All right, folks.